we find ourselves this morning in a section of scripture. Unfortunately, very vivid. Two dollars 
when Heather and Dad, who found themselves in cave, they had gone to Zor, but he was afraid for some reason. Maybe he thought this place was too close to the place that was destroyed, and that there was still the risk of God's judgment because there was such depravity there. So we're going to isolate ourselves, and we're going to end up in this cave. The problem is, although they left Sodom, Sodom came with them in the hearts of the you know, as we look around our nation and as we see in a sex society, um, the lines are blurred. People are confused. But yet God's word is not confused. There are boundaries that are never for a reason. It's so that we can really understand what love is meant to be. And how we can really grow close as God wants us to grow close. And then that has been fractured. As those lines are blurred and as we live in an anything-go type of culture. And we think that America is often the only place where this has happened. Yet, as you look through history and as you look through other civilizations, there was a growing depravity. And as a matter of fact, there was a book. I'm going to share with you some truth. It's from the book. Carl Zimmerman, he did this study of Past civilizations is entitled Family and Civilization. He had a number of indicators of when a culture or nation is falling apart. And I want to just read through seven of these. These are past cultures that are no longer here. They literally fell apart from the inside. I'm just going to read through these seven traits. An increase in the rate of divorce. Lack of commitment to the permanence of marriage. Redefining the meaning of family as a solution to social problems. Lack of respect for parental authority. Promotion of cohabitation over marriage. Lack of inhibition concerning adultery. Acceptance, acceptance of all forms of sexuality. This includes bestiality, incest, and homosexuality. Dr. Zimmerman went on to write, he said, As we watch the destruction of the family, so we simultaneously watch the collapse of society. As we look around, we're reminded of how we need a Savior, how there's depravity all around us, and how there's depravity that's within us. I mean, as you look at the first story, you had Adam and Eve, and remember the first kids, the, the, the brothers, you know, where they talk about, Why well, kill you, you won't go. One brother did kill the other brother. And that's not where it stopped. And it came to a point in Genesis 6 5 where it said the inclination of every thought was wicked, was evil, all the time. And so God sent forth his judgment. He looked for this righteous man, Noah. He built this big boat. You guys know the story. The rains came. It flooded the earth. And there was great death and, and devastation. But yet, this godly man, this man Noah, he ends up in a cave and he ends up drunk. And there's some indecent. Uh, happening with he and his sons and and that goes on and, and as you go down through the scripture and, and then you got these two twin brothers and then in the family there's deception that goes on where a mother's trying to trick the father and they end up fighting and there's all this bad blood and they move away and then you got David you know the greatest king of all and the scripture tells us he had at least 17 wives and, and there were all these things that happened as he did not listen to God and then we know he ended up one day on his rooftop and he looked out and 
He saw this beautiful woman, Bathsheba. We know what followed. It was a tragic story of sin after sin after sin. And within his family, there was adultery, there was polygamy, there was incest, there was brokenness. And so we find ourselves here in this cave. And like I said, they may have left Sodom, they may have missed the destruction there, but Sodom came in the hearts of the family in the cave. The cesspool was still there. The death of a spouse is a terrible tragedy. They missed the wife, they missed the mom, but that is more, that's not the full cause of the deterioration. It, it, it's because Sodom was a well inside the hearts of his daughters. And, and as we look at this, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time going into the details of, of what had happened in the cave. Only that obviously God wasn't the focus. Just look at some truths here as we, we go through the text here. Verse 31 and 32, there's the absence of the, of the divine perspective. In other words, nobody listened to God. As, it, as we read the text, oh, one day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old. There's no man around here to buy with us. This is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and allow with him to preserve our family line through our father. They choose to do what is unnatural. There's no godless standard. And why is that? Because there was no heart for God. I think of Psalm 10, verse 4. It says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. They didn't think about God. Their hearts weren't in tune with God's ways or God's standards. There was no standard of, of holiness. The girls had bought completely into a lifestyle of depravity. God wasn't in the picture, and although Lot, as the scripture says, did have a background with God, that was not passed on to his daughters. And there was this anything goes type of mentality. Maybe you think of the verse of Proverbs 4 19. What a sad verse. It says that the way of the wicked. Is like deep darkness. Man, we just like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. It's like deep darkness. What is darkness? It's the absence of light. When God's not there, there's no light. It's darkness. And as a result of the darkness, there's depravity that transpires. Second, there's a presence of carnal imagination. As we read in the text, and there's a suggestion, these are things that many of us say, how could that happen? Where did that come from? Well, when God is not in the picture and an imagination runs rampant, there's no telling where that's going to end up because there's no restrictions. And unfortunately, all the time, I read that Brian's word and it moves all the time all around us. And what I see that is transpiring around us is there's less and less a picture of what is sacred. You see, God's guidelines, they're sacred. Why? Because He wants to teach us how to love. And the way we learn how to love is 
that we give of ourselves to another, not take, take, take from somebody else. But what happens is in the sex situated culture, it's all about need being a recipient. It's all about me feeling good. It's all about me being fulfilled. That's not love. That's not a way to ever have real intimacy and be close. And, and, and actually, that's, that's ripped apart. That's, that's torn apart. And this imagination, it, it ran wild because there was no idea of how to really have love. How to really enjoy real love. Third, there was a breakdown of paternal authority. Somewhere along um, the line, these girls, they missed it. For them to even consider something with their dad, like this godly dad, that they did not see their dad as God's man. They had missed the lessons that he tried to teach to them lessons that he wanted to pass on to them and the account that we have here is very tragic which was a result of God not being in the picture of their lives and they knew exactly what to do they knew his weakness they knew where to attack which tells me they were not novices at seduction I don't want everybody else's imagination run wild, so I'm not going to run through all of this. But what is obvious is this is not the first time for them as an encounter, a sexual encounter. Fourth, uh, the buildup of the moral toughness that occurred. The idea that the child picks up an appetite, a simple appetite. That's outside of God. And if it's not curved, then that appetite takes root within the child. And there's no modesty. There's no shame. There's nothing that calls somebody to get red-faced. And in this case, that ended up in incest. Which is often not a one-time result when that occurs. Unfortunately, it occurs far more than I, I, I was looking, I was Googling on the internet, and last monthly, on January 24th, 2013, had these words in the article. Here are some statistics that should be familiar, but they're not to us. One in three to four girls and one in five to seven boys are abused before they turn 18. An overwhelming incidence of which happens within the family. These statistics are well known among industry professionals who are often quick to add, and this is notoriously underreported. We don't hear anything about the conversation that occurs after this tragic night of events that happened. We know that both of the daughters ended up with children, that they carried these children had these children, we know nothing about what was said between the daughters and between the father. So, okay, here's this tragic event that uh, occurred. What can we learn from it? A couple of lessons here. Um, realize no one is immune to the dangers. And none of us pretend like, well, I would never I would never do anything like that. Be careful. The Bible 
says, watch yourself if you can fall. That's your fault. Don't brag where you are. And you just pray to God, God, keep us close. God, we're just seeing what's going on around us. Nobody ends up in these situations immediately. Well, I wouldn't do that. No, it's a slow erosion that happens. It's, it's a slow erosion that happens. So the second point here, what we can do is stay alert to subtle hints. When you see people that are around you or notice in your own life that there is a tolerance where there wasn't before, where people begin to um, give in to convictions that seem to be firm, if there's evidence of that or something that was once sacred, it's no longer sacred. And the line's beginning to do. Take note of that. Look around and check your own heart for that. God, what's going on in me? Or what's going on in my loved one? And that leads to the next truth. Declare a model your standard. It's not enough just to say that you're set apart for God. Are you? Is it the words of your mouth alone? Because it really hangs in. Because that's what people see is the pattern of our lives. Not just what we say. What we do, who we are, that's what people see. You know, like our, um, that old saying, you know, what you do is so loud, I can hear what you say. And and that's the picture there. It's to be the pattern of our lives. Not that we don't have a fall, not, not that we're perfect or that we got it together, but the overall pattern of our lives and the choices that we intend to make day after day are pleasing to God, are set apart for Him. That, that is critical. Um, that is critical. And we're called to do that with a loving boldness. Um, I remember years ago, I was talking to a couple of teachers. And uh, it's actually a PE teacher, and there's a woman teacher. And I don't know how we got in the conversation. But I remember I was a little disturbed because this woman teacher was like, you know, the girls ought to be able to dress any way they want. And the boys, you know, they have no right to do anything and they shouldn't be out of line there shouldn't be any kind of sexual harassment and you know, I don't, you know the guys shouldn't do anything but the girls need to understand that it doesn't matter how you dress because it sends a message to the guys I know there's some people that don't like that but I'm telling you it's just how guys are wired and girls are wired and you don't want to send the wrong kind of message girls you don't want to get the wrong kind of attention because it leaves where you don't want to go it's not real love. And, and that, you know, that, that's a picture. That's, you know, we need to, not to, you know, we don't want to upset people. But you know what? People need to know the truth. May God give us courage to be able to, to really share the truth. And, and that's the next point that goes beside this. We need to guard against passivity. Against, you know, I'm just afraid of someone's going to like it. We all want to but when we really love each other, it doesn't really help the person we love if we're not honest with them. And a lesson I learned a long time ago, I think is very important. Praise people in public. And you got something good to say, let everybody know it. But if it's something that's a tough issue, you do that private. We don't need to spread everybody's very hungry all over the community. But if we love somebody, they come to the point where we need to get together and say, you know, I'm worried about it. I, I'm, you know, talk to me. I'm seeing this. And, and, and I'm, I'm worried about you. Are you aware of 
this? Are you aware of how this looks? Is, is this what's going on in your life? Am I wrong? Oh, give me an opportunity to. Yeah, I hope I am wrong. But, but how, how many share? Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than hidden love. In other words, for me, so I love you, I love you, but that's hidden when you're about to do something that's going to hurt you deeply or hurt the people you love deeply. Man, open rebuke is better than hidden love. To, to be able to really share. Uh, you go over the next chapter, Proverbs 28, 23, it says, He who rebukes an animal in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. It's not enough to say, well, you sure do look sharp today, or, or you got it together, or you're so smart. I mean, that's good to do, but it's also important, guys, to be able to say, I love you, and we need to talk. We need to discuss this, because I, I don't I don't want to look back at this and regret that out of love I didn't talk to you. And we almost have this idea of, oh, you're just a spectator, you know. We'll just sit around and watch what happens. And if it happens, it's not my fault because I didn't cause it. But if we really love each other, we have responsibility sometimes to be able to share. Proverbs 28, verse 1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. I found myself, uh, I can't remember why that first comes to my mind. It's just so easy to be a chicken, you know? I'm running away even though somebody's not, but you're chasing me. But the scripture says that the righteous, those who love God and really love each other, there's a boldness there. Bold like a lion. Not that you want to pounce on somebody and devour it. That's not the point. The point is, God's way is best. And I'm encouraged to live that way and, and to be able to share that way Because when we step out of God's plan, somebody gets hurt. And that's obviously what happened here. And I just thought when it happened, because it happens everywhere. A lot of times as a pastor, I'm not the one I don't know. I don't know that stuff. I just want us to be forgiven and be able to move on and move on. That's God's call. Right? Let me close with these verses that I think sum up our call in the gospel. It's in Titus 2, 11 through 14. Titus is Get near the end there. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Isn't that good today? That the grace of God that brings salvation, you know, that, that means God did everything to love you and He extended that love to you. It's appeared to all men. It's available to everybody. He goes on and says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That same grace that saves us, that same grace empowers us to say no to, to those um, depraved temptations that want to control us and pull us away from it teaches us to say no to God. 
godliness and worldly passions and do what? The self-control upright and godly lives. Men now in this crazy age in which we live, right? But I love the last few verses of that, 13 and 14, that says, while we wait for the blessed hope. And that's where we are, isn't it? Church, we're waiting for Jesus. While we wait for the blessed hope. Amen. I, I love that. Uh, it goes on and says, "While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ." While we wait for His return, and then it reminds us what is so awesome about return. Verse fourteen says, "Who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wicked?" what the cross is about. He gave himself for us to buy us back, to redeem us back from all that wickedness. Man, none of us had it together. We're all depraved and, you know me, I don't really like to even go through the list of sins because we're sinners. We all are. That's not the point. The point is, God loves us and he wants to forgive us and to put us in a position to serve him. And, 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 and so... The scripture so beautifully tells us he gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to do what? To purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is his. He wants that same grace that's appeared to us, that saved us, to transform us, that we may become the people. Purify and eager to do. Father, I thank you for your word. You know where we are, God. We don't know where each other is. But you know where we are. Nothing in all creation is hidden from your eyes and your sight. I pray, Father, that as we have looked at this instance, Father, this account of broken hearts, and I hope that no one here today has suffered in that way, Father. We don't like to talk about that kind of thing. But, Father, you provide healing no matter where we are. And we just pray you might speak to our hearts, God. That you might make that grace available that's appeared to all of us and that's available right now. That we might be strengthened to live for you, to do that new star, Father, that you give us. And that we might be reminded coming back and that you brought us back and that we've been clean so that we can be used for you. And that eagerness, Father, pleases you. Father, I don't know where everybody is, but you do. I pray as an offer this open. Maybe someone needs to come and pray, Father. Maybe someone needs to make a decision for you, God, to turn to you. Father, find that grace gives and saves or Father to take a new start Father to say no or compassion say yes to your way we just want you to move in this time and call response invitation and we just do business Father as you work on our heart and I thank you for another chance to reach your word and we just respond to you as we stand and as we sing
follow you as you lead us. In Christ's name we pray.